Let me read something for you. Very, very important. It says, A man in Florida in his 80s calls his son in New York one November day. The father says to the son, I hate to tell you, but we've got some troubles here in the house. Your mother and I can't stand each other anymore. We're getting a divorce. I've had it. I don't want to live out the rest of my years in peace. I'm telling you now, so you and your sister shouldn't go into shock later when I move out. He hangs up, and the son immediately calls his sister in the Hamptons and tells her the news. The sister says, I'll handle this. She calls Florida and says to her father, don't do anything until we get there. We'll be there Wednesday night. The father agrees, all right. The old man hangs up the phone and hollers to his wife, okay, they're coming for Thanksgiving. Now what are we going to tell them for Christmas? Uh, uh. <laughs> Got him. Got him. And then one more quick one. You may have heard this one before, I don't know. What is the difference between Election Day and Thanksgiving Day? What? On Thanksgiving, you get a turkey for the day. On Election Day, you get a turkey for four years. All right, you can steal that one for Thanksgiving. That's a good one. All right. All right, here we go. Title of the message is Our Reliable Guide. Our Reliable Guide. And um, here's where we're headed this morning. Where we're headed this morning is um, we're going to talk about uh, the person of God that is involved with our everyday activities, every second activities from moment to moment, we're going to talk about that person of God, and we're going to talk about how the job description of that person of God, like what, he actually has a job description, and he has something that he's supposed to carry out, so we're going to talk about what that stuff is, and then we'll finish up talking about the trap that the enemy tries to set in the middle of the work that that person of God is trying to carry out. Does that make sense? Does it sound good? Does it sound interesting? You think you might pay attention? All right, let's do it. All right, verse 5. Let's check it out. We'll, we'll pray first. So we just ask you, uh, Father, that you would give us an ability to hear your word, that you would give us understanding beyond our fleshly capabilities. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would create a desire in each of us, as we prayed earlier, to let down walls, to not build them up, to not just try and stay safe and same old, same old, but we would get radical about becoming our lives, just be wide open for your use and for your glory. I thank you that you're good. I thank you that you're always concerned with love for us, setting us free and bringing us into more than we could ever think or imagine. I thank you. That's your method. Those are your ways. Those are your thoughts about us. And I pray that we wouldn't buy into the lies that you're just concerned with difficulty, struggle, and strife. Thank you that you're good, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's pick up verse 5. So we pick up mid-conversation. But we'll, we'll, we'll check it out. Jesus is talking. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Everybody say him. Him. Who is 
this Him. I'm going to Him who sent me. He's going to the Father. So the Father sent Jesus. He said, listen, we got a mission to do. you got to go. And then so Jesus went to this planet, to earth. And the mission was save all of mankind. That's a big mission. <laughs> save all of mankind. Okay, Father, how are we going to do it? Well, they're going to mistreat you, abuse you, take advantage of you. You're called to love them with a love like they've never seen. And so much so that you're actually going to lose your life. And then the son goes, okay, we're in, let's go. <sighs> Let that set in there. That was just the conversation before anything even happened. That's incredible. And the next calling for us is like we're supposed to live that love out. That's how people are supposed to know we're Christians. It's because like our mind starts to function like that. And we start to interact with other people like that. So you never heard Jesus say, well, what if they don't appreciate it? What if they don't receive it? What if they mock me and make fun of me? What if they all bail on me? Wasn't even a thought in his mind, wasn't part of the conversation. He can't even think that way. And please believe it, brothers and sisters, God is also making us into that type of person where pretty soon we're not going to be thinking that way either. That's what that Holy Spirit work inside of us is going to do. Isn't that amazing? Because we know who we really are and how we usually and typically act and what our MO is. But this is the truth. We've got to talk about the truth. This is what he's doing. He's making us into the image of Jesus Christ with the mind of Christ. That's what the Bible says. So he's doing it. He's doing that good work. It says, so now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. So they're freaking out. They're anxious. Their Savior's about to go. Verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. So whose good is it? Ours. It's for His good. And so they must be thinking, well, how, could it get, how could it be better if we just lived life with you and walked around with you for three years? How is that better for us if you now leave? How could it get any better? I would be thinking that. Imagine if Jesus came and hung out with C.C. Noggy for a few years. And man, he just ripped apart this church, just took over this town, and just, wow. And then after a few years, he's like, you know what? I got to go, and it's, it's definitely for your benefit. It's not, in fact, it's not really good if I'm here. It's, I'm going to hurt you more than I'm going to help you. What? It's crazy. You know, we'd, we'd fight him on that probably. He'd be like, really? Look at what you've done. Look what's happened. He's like, nah, better things are going to happen, and they're going to happen because I won't be here. It's crazy, right? It says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. So why? Unless I go away, the counselor, everybody say counselor, or the helper in some versions, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So the benefit of him leaving is so that the helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit can then come to us. And Jesus is saying, 
it's a completely good substitution. Yeah, you make substitutions in sports, and it's like, oh, you know, we're watching football, you know, whatever's going on today, Cowboys need to get a win. You know, so you make a substitution, you throw somebody in there, you trade a running back out, bring another guy in, hopefully he can pick up some yardage and do what the other guy was doing. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I know I'm going, but my sub coming, he's phenomenal. He's going to help you into everything. He's going to do an amazing work. Something that if my physical body was here, I'm stuck and I'm restricted to location. Holy Spirit can be everywhere and around everybody and living in hearts and working in this world. So he's like, I got to go. And notice, he calls this comforter, this helper, it doesn't seem like referred to as it, or this thing, or some positive presence. He calls him a him. It has some sort of personality to it, a personhood. So it's like an actual person, part, a person, part of God. A Holy Spirit. And so that Holy Spirit is now here, lives among us, works in our hearts and our lives. And a lot of times, I guess in a lot of Christian circles, you just hear a lot about like God the Father. You know, I hear a lot about God the Father and Jesus, you know, pretty popular guy too. But you don't hear a whole lot about Holy Spirit and what he's doing. And the interesting thing is that the Holy Spirit is the one that's here now. It's the one carrying out the Father's will because Jesus isn't here. And God the Father himself is not here. He sent his person of Holy Spirit to be among us and to be living um, and moving and teaching us how to live like Christ. And he's doing some other things which we're going to read about. But none of that would ever be able to happen unless Jesus left. So what's he going to do? When he comes, so who's the he? Holy Spirit. So when Holy Spirit comes... He will, let's take a look at this. He will convict the world of guilt, which we'll talk more about in a minute, in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I'm going to go back to that, I promise. We'll just finish up here. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. And they keep talking from there. So there's some few interesting things that happen right in that little passage right there that we'll just talk about, and then we'll finish up. Um, so he says, so the Holy Spirit, so what's the deal? So Jesus needs to go away so the Holy Spirit can come. So when he's here, he, right? It's important that we say he. Might as well use the same language that the Bible is using, right? So he, Holy Spirit, when he comes, what's going on? He's going to have a job of conviction. 
right? He's going to have a job of conviction. I'm going to say conviction. That's a big job for him. And how's he doing it? Conviction. He's going to do it in regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. So there's probably three things you might want to write down and pay attention to. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. So that's like his kind of arena where he's working. Okay, so great. What does that mean for me? Glad that you asked. So, I wanted to find um, the, the most accurate way to kind of talk about this world convict, because that's kind of like, if you can get a pretty good grasp on convict, you have, we'll have a better understanding as far as what Holy Spirit's actually doing. And then when he's using us to do it, it'll make a little bit more sense. Or when he's doing that in our own hearts and in our own lives, it'll make a little bit more sense. So to convict, um, I forget what the Greek word, but basically three synonyms um, that really help paint a better picture. Uh, So convict means to expose, means to expose, Um, it means to reveal, and it means to make aware of. So what was the first one we said? Expose, and then the second one was reveal, and the third one was make aware, right? Make aware. So to expose, the Holy Spirit's job is not a real popular job. Can you imagine? And maybe you've been in this scenario where you're at work or at a job, and I'm not, I'm not picking on this particular profession, but I think it just helps make the illustration come alive more. But if an auditor comes to somebody's job and they come to a department, the auditor's job is to come to that department and expose and reveal all workings of that department, all structures of it, all employees of it, all job reports, all evaluations, all structures, all methods. That auditor, listen, auditors are great. They're not bad, right? There's Christians that are auditors. I'm just saying that the actual job, the auditor becomes not very popular in the office. Usually it's a third party that comes in from somewhere that was hired by the company, and they're saying, hey, listen, we got to clean things up. You know, we got to like streamline. We got to have more efficient methods. Uh, We got to increase bottom line. Usually that's what's driving it. Or there's waste or something, they need to cut something. So they bring in the auditor, and they just expose and reveal everything. And usually people don't like that, especially if things have been hidden or tucked away for a little while, or for a long while, or maybe some business practices are maybe not that ethical or moral. And so Holy Spirit has a very similar job, not exactly the same, but a very similar job to an auditor where the Holy Spirit comes in and man just exposes this world for what it is and the enemy for who he is and the methods and the ways of darkness. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in and says, hey, what you're seeing, thinking, what's happening around, it's not necessarily just what we can see, think, or feel. There's much more going on. 
Life is about much more than having a family, hopefully retiring someday, creating some security. It's a way bigger picture. It's much more than just kind of a nice guy who showed up, did some miracles, lived a good life, set a motto we should probably follow. Holy Spirit comes in and exposes that totally. Because that's not the truth. So, what areas does he hit? Those three areas that we just talked about. What was the first one? The first one was to expose in regards to sin, right? In regards to sin. So Holy Spirit, he comes right after that right away. He takes a big, huge spotlight and he shines it on, boom, there is this way of life that is displeasing to God and actually separates us from God so we can't even have fellowship with God. That's number one. And what Holy Spirit does is He really focuses on that because that's really a big issue in the Christian faith. Like you don't have Jesus if we don't have sin. So, I mean, even Jesus' name was Savior. That's what it meant in Hebrew. So this is a really big deal, this sin issue. So Holy Spirit comes and He exposes sin for what it is in the world. So if you just logically follow that thought down, if Holy Spirit's going to be a really good uh, sin sniffer, if he's going to be really good at that, is it going to really feel really good when it happens in my heart and in my life? It's not going to feel tremendously awesome. What if God uses us to go out and notice sin? It might not be received well around us. With that being said, there's a lot to be said about how we do it. But the point being is that it will happen. It will definitely happen. So Holy Spirit will come. He'll expose sin. What else? Righteousness, right? So he's going to expose the world in regard to righteousness. And Jesus um, put it like this. He says, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. What does that mean? How does Holy Spirit convict the world, expose the world, reveal righteousness because Jesus is going away. Well, the way Holy Spirit does it is He highlights the way Jesus lived, the way He acted, and the way He interacted with those around Him. Because that's what righteousness looks like. It looks like defending the weak, providing for the poor, not breaking a bruised reed, gently kind of like helping that thing back out, come back together. It looks like standing up for truth when you need to, even when there might possibly be a conflict involved. So righteousness, meaning it, Holy Spirit will highlight the way Jesus lived. So that's like what we do a lot on Sunday mornings. We're talking about Jesus, what he did, how he lived, because... We want to allow Holy Spirit to do that in our lives as well. So we spend a lot of time talking about what Jesus did and how he lived because he lived in a way of righteousness. And we want to follow that same life as well. And then judgment, verse 11, in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So Holy Spirit highlights the sin issue. He shows a way of righteousness to live because there is some hope for sure. 
He shows the way to live, and then Holy Spirit also says, hey, listen, the prince of this world, he already stands condemned. His, his future is already a done deal. He already knows where he's going and what's in store for him. It's completely figured out. It's not a mystery from his end. And so Holy Spirit's saying, hey, listen, there is this deal of judgment. There's, it's an important thing. It's not really fun to talk about or, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about, but it's a reality for sure. If you go through the Bible, you're going to be so hard-pressed to figure out a way to talk about sin, Jesus, Christianity, and not talk about judgment. <laughs> you just, you can't do it. People try and find ways to do it. And I bet probably I could probably create like a sermon planner for five years where we never talk about judgment. I could probably do that. But that wouldn't be a good thing. I don't think that's really giving people the whole counsel of truth and what God said. Because Jesus said, I'm coming to save, to seek and save those that are lost. He knew judgment was coming. And he actually copied John the Baptist. He plagiarized John the Baptist's message. John the Baptist's message was, repent and be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is near. And it says early on in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3 or 4, he said, and Jesus started saying the same exact thing. Repent, be baptized, the kingdom of heaven is here. So Holy Spirit works in this whole arena, sin, righteousness, judgment. And creating and developing a reality in our hearts and minds that, man, this really is the case. Because if we just kind of see the world for what it is, we might not catch it. Might not catch it. Probably won't. We'll probably see a lot of reasons for evil, maybe some good in some pockets. But I don't know if you can just come to a realization that all of humanity had a problem and it was called sin and that Jesus Christ left heaven to pay for that sin. So now people that believe in him in faith can live forever and then live a life that's transformed here on earth. You don't get there without Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen. That's why the need for missionaries is so big because so parts of the world have never even heard a message like that. So it's going to be pretty awesome how God's going to use Joanna, you know, and she goes out to India and what she's going to share and what's going to happen and she's going to help set them straight, you know, through Holy Spirit. And <laughs> I don't know how she's going to do it. She, you know how she is, gracious and loving. That's how she's going to do it. Although she might like the smackdown. I don't know. Maybe she gets wild. I don't know what happens. So we'll see. So just real quick, let me just run down for you the job description of the Holy Spirit, and I'm giving you the trap so we don't fall into the trap. So here's a job description of the Holy Spirit in case you're interested. And you probably are because you want to live a life in the Spirit. So number one, his first job description is to teach and remind us. To teach us and to remind us. Look in 14 real quick. Verse 26. In your Bible, John 14, verse 26. You might have to go back a page. Flip one or actually just look back. Verse 26. Verse 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he's going to teach. I would say teach. And he's going to remind. Say remind. Holy Spirit's a big deal. 
It does a lot of teaching and a lot of reminding because we forget a lot of stuff and we need to be taught a lot of things. So please hear me out on this one. Please, 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 I urge, do not rely on me. Do not rely on whoever your favorite Bible pastor is, whoever your favorite worship person is, as your ultimate end-all, be-all teacher of God's Word and God's truth. Please don't. What we do on Sunday morning is like secondhand information. God's laid some things on my heart. I share it. I feel like God's Spirit's moving in that way. So we talk about it. Hopefully it confirms what God's already been speaking and showing your heart during the week. So I'm not in the position of ultimate teacher. Some teaching, sure, going into of just un- unveiling and showing some of God's Word, hopefully also equipping. But man, I ain't the teacher. Holy Spirit is teacher. So that means when we're in relationship, probably what we should be doing a lot of is a lot of listening. Oh, Holy Spirit, what do you think? I want to follow after you today. I want my day to be about you. Show me how to do that because I don't even know. There's a good chance I'm going to miss you. I missed breakfast today. I'm already stressed out about this meeting I'm going to have. Such and such might happen over here and you know, just go through the thing. But that is how we position ourselves to listen to the teacher. And you can get taught a little bit if you just read Bible. But the thing that stinks about that is it doesn't leave much of a time just to listen. Julie and I are married, and I'm just blasting with information all day long. That ain't going to work out real well. She's like, yeah, you do that anyways. But um, it won't be that successful, right? You need time to just listen and process what's going on. And sometimes God works where he knocks somebody off of a horse and really gets your attention. Or sometimes his voice is really quiet and calm. And hopefully we can position ourselves to be quiet and calm and listen to the good teacher. What are you speaking to my heart, Lord? It's really important. So that's his one job description. second one is, we already talked about, convict the world of sin. He's going to convict the world of sin, and that is going to convict our hearts of sin. Now, this is all about how you do it. I mean, if right now we just like ended and we're like, you know what, we're not doing food. We're going to go down to the town green. We're going to tell the whole town what sinners they are. Man, <laughs> I don't know how successful that's going to... Now, if God wants us to do that and like he made that clear and he's like, hey, go do it, then we do it. But if that's like common practice as far as how to reach people for God and how to evangelize... Yeah, you ain't getting real far. It's like love has just deviated from truth. You just left that somewhere. Got to be respecter of persons as well, but not at the cost of truth. So there's like a way to figure this thing out. But the teacher will teach us. He will teach us. That doesn't mean that he might not use us to highlight some issues and some things in some people's lives that we know like aren't right. That's not a fun position to be in. I know it's not. I, I don't particularly enjoy it. <laughs> Maybe you do. I don't know. But 
it's, it's not that fun. Or you know something, you see somebody struggling, and it's like, oh, that is such not a good thing for them to be doing right now, you know? I know, like, Christian, and they want to be going a certain way, but what they're doing is, like, not good. We have a choice, then, on how to handle that. Because Holy Spirit, good chance, made us aware of something. And so to just be totally removed wouldn't be a good thing. So there's a good chance Holy Spirit wants us involved in this situation, but it's like, how do you find words for this and how do you do it? And I hope that we start numero uno first place. We are invested in prayer for that person's heart before we even approach them with word number one. That is what we are called to do. Because then we can see the situation for what it is, a hurting heart that has gone astray for whatever reason that needs to like, be helped back. Instead of, man, they got it wrong, they need to get it right, so I'm going to tell them how to do it right. It doesn't work real well that way. Sometimes with some people it does. You know, they, just need, they, they can appreciate some bold, straight truth right to them. It's like, ah, thank you. It's like you just smacked them in the face. Like, thank you for that. I needed that. And that works okay in some situations, especially depending upon how well you know people. But a lot of times it takes a lot of tact, patience, and seeking of God. It's really easy to get so consumed with, it's so wrong, there's so much sin there, and just want to force ourselves to do something. Holy Spirit will show us how to do it. He definitely will. So his job description, teach and remind, convict of sin, convict of righteousness. He's going to expose righteousness for what it is. If we're just acting a particular way so people will notice, or if it's really us. I really hope we're the same way we are here than when we are during the week. You know, like, I always think about worship leaders and worship teams, you know, if they're like up here and like doing their thing, you know. You know, and they're like up there doing that during worship time, but then every other Sunday they're kind of like in their pews, you know, just like, it's weird to me. Like, why are you different now all of a sudden? I don't understand. Like, rock out your pew. Everybody around you wants to have some time too. Like, it's strange to me, you know? So he'll expose righteousness for what it is. He'll see if, like, we're really focused on self-preservation and self-promotion and self-protection. Holy Spirit will point that stuff out to us. Like, man, you are so focused on, like, creating your little thing. Let me in there. Break it apart. I promise you'll be good. That's what he does. Conviction of judgment, which we already talked about. Judgment is coming. Sin is going to be accounted for. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. A few people gave their hearts to the Lord last week. It's like, yes! It's awesome. It's awesome. I heard it about another one this morning, so I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. They, they won't have to, like, they're not going to have to give explanations for their guilt. For the stain of sin, they won't have to even explain it. Them say, listen, I received and believed in Jesus. He paid something I couldn't pay. And then when God looks at them, all he sees is Christ's blood and he says, you're good. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Not have to answer for something we couldn't pay. And then so his last job description is he guides us into truth. He guides us into truth. We read that. Which verse was that one? And I write it down. 
Verse 13, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He won't even speak on His own. He's only going to speak what He hears, and uh, He will tell you what is to come. So we want some serious dose of truth in our life. If there's like confusion, we're unsure, Holy Spirit will bring some truth, and He'll bring some stability, and He'll bring some straightness to where we got to go. But again, we have to like sit man, and be around Him and just invest into listening to Him. So his job description, teach and remind, convict of sin, convict of righteousness, convict of judgment, and guide us in the truth. It's a lot of exposing and revealing, which isn't a lot of fun. But it's all really good. It sets us free. It sets us free. I'm telling you. Here's the trap. Here's the trap, guys. I'm exposing the enemy's trap. What happens? A Christian that gives their lives to the Lord or they're trying to faithfully follow after God. They're in a worship service or somewhere or in their car or in their room, whatever it is. They're praying or they're interacting throughout the day and God, Holy Spirit, makes them aware, hey, that should not be there. That is like not a good thing. That was not in Jesus' heart. Okay, pause there. Holy Spirit's doing his job. He's exposing and saying, hey, listen, this stuff is here. It wouldn't be in Jesus' heart. We're going to get it out of your heart. Let me do it. The trap is that the enemy comes in and he piles on. Shame, shame, shame. Just rubbing your face in it and making you feel absolutely horrible about it even being there. And then the enemy uses language like, you know, if you're a real Christian, it probably wouldn't even be there. I guess everything you're doing is pretty phony and pretty fake. You're not even a legitimate Christian. You don't even know what you're saying that day. Let's be honest. If you're really falling off to Jesus, you wouldn't even be thinking that. That's the trap. The trap is exposure with shame attached to it. Holy Spirit brings exposure with hope attached to it. Saying, listen, here's what it is, but you're called to so much more. Don't sell out and sell cheap. So the enemy's way is exposure with shame and condemnation attached to it. Don't buy into that. That's not the deal. It is not the deal. Here's why it's not the deal. Listen to some of these verses. Isaiah 1.18 Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It's a done deal. Red is gone, only white. That's it. Done deal. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All gone. All gone. Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Do you know how far the east is from the west? I literally have no idea. It's very far. So much so you can't even measure it. 
That's how far your sins are gone. It's awesome news, yes. Ephesians 1. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have total redemption, total forgiveness. Last one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. None. None. So don't fall into the trap of shame attached with exposure. Don't do it. Because here's the deal. I wrote this down. The stain of sin has been removed, but its presence still lingers. The stain of sin has been removed. The actually guilty charge that sin brings with it, that's like, it's in the way of us and God, that's been taken care of for the Christian when they submit their lives to God. That's done. That's awesome. But the presence of sin still kind of lingers because we've grown up in this body. We've grown up in these flesh with these desires with issues that we have, decisions we've made, habits we've formed. So we struggle with that and we work that thing out. And because we're working it out, does not mean that our sin wasn't paid for to begin with. So because we have a capacity to sin and to fail, does not mean at all that all of our sins and all of our failures were forgiven. So yes, you can be a a truly born-again, Christ-following believer and have full capability to sin. Absolutely. In fact, you're still going to struggle with it because it lingers. But what happens is for the Christian is that they start to, we start to live in such a way to where things in our life have less of a hold on us and we use terms like victory. We start to have more victory in our lives over things. Let's close with this psalm here. And we're going to head downstairs. So let's stand and I'll read this psalm. And then we'll head downstairs. It's another one from Psalm 103. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all thy sins, heals all diseases, and who redeems a life from destruction who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. So bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So we need Holy Spirit to remind us sometimes that we, not, we are not who we were in the past. And even if we don't necessarily like what's going on right now, it's not a guarantee of how we're going to be later. So let's not forget his benefits, who forgives all of our sins, heals all diseases, redeems life from destruction, and crowns us, crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. It's an amazing thing. Life in the Spirit is ridiculously awesome. It's really good. Doesn't always feel great, but it is so worth it and so good. Because it helps squash everything that gets in the way of fulfilling out what God has for us. Holy Spirit helps take everything out of the way that hinders us from experiencing all that God has for us. 
Lock that one up in your head somewhere. Because that's the truth. It's what he's doing. Breaking down walls, breaking down barriers. So that's like when we create that stuff in our life, it's like, oh, it's so like, it's so totally contrasted with what we're called to. Holy Spirit is doing the complete opposite. Saying, let me get in there and just pulverize that thing. Let's be free and go. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing this work in our lives. And we pray that you would do more in our hearts and more in our church. I pray that we would have a desire and enough courage to be in agreement with the exposure and the revealing that you're doing in our life. May we not be given to procrastination. May we be hungry for a transformational work that you're doing in our life. I pray that we would be hungry for that transformational work. You're already at work doing, doing it. And I pray that we would be in agreement with what you're doing. And may you show us how to highlight your love and grace and a need for a Savior in a world that's just lost in sin. In a world that's just lost and not knowing you. In a world that's just trying to figure out how to do life and how to have hope and how to accomplish dreams apart from you. Give us an ability, Lord, to speak truth into situations. So Holy Spirit, do a mighty work in our hearts and in our lives. May we understand and recognize your voice. And Holy Spirit, may you just be with Josh as he goes away, protecting him. May he know your voice even more clear at the end of the seven months than he did going into it. I pray it be a focus of his, Lord, to not only work out and train and make his body and mind fit, but I pray you give him an ability and show him how to, not to lose his spiritual sensitivity and his understanding of you working in his life. So we thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing. May we be continuously hungry for more truth in our lives, no matter what it costs us, no matter what it costs us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. of this life.